0: That's what that thing is for right there. Uh, yes. I think we clap for the people that gave us the night. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I thought Oscar was looking good in that thing, man. You ought to wear that every day, Oscar. Uh, they did. They looked good up there. And there's a lot of meaning to what they were doing as they were doing that. And one of the things that I'm going to talk to you a little bit about today is that very thing. Uh, if you'll turn with me into the book of Matthew chapter 1, we're going to get into the Gospel of Jesus Christ. As I said to you, I promise you you're going to get the Word of God when I stand up here in the pulpit and that's what I plan on giving you. I want to engage your faith. Again, I say that all the time. I want to engage your faith. I want you to... Understand what has been done for you, what this whole celebration means that we call Christmas today, okay? Uh, Just a little fun fact for you, a little bit of education, theological enlightenment on something. The reason for the gifts that they gave the child Jesus. Not only were they kingly things to give him, the gold, the silver, the myrrh, all these expensive gifts, but if you'll read the text, Jesus was instantaneously an exile after the wise men came and they gave their gifts, he was exiled out of the country because the king was going to kill every child in the land. God foresaw that. God knew that. And every child at the age of two and under was killed in the land. And that got back to the the prophecy where Rachel was weeping for her children, for they are not, for there was a voice of mourning heard in Ramah, as it says. And that came to pass. And so... These gifts was not only kingly gifts, but they were money for exiles who needed to live in a foreign land for a long time until God got the king out of the way. Most theologians agree upon that, for they had nothing, and they were traveling in a faraway place with nothing in their pocket to be able to survive. And yet, just as King David wrote so long before this, he said, I am old, but I was once young and I have never seen God's seed forsaken or begging bread. Amen. That's what that's what the scripture says. I've never seen God's seed forsaken. I've never seen them begging for bread. And uh, and so this is what Jesus was experiencing here. Even in his youngest of days, you'll find him being persecuted. Even at this young and tender age, he was on the run. So this is, uh, this is one thing I want you to understand. When we look and, and we start, start celebrating Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ, and this is what it says. It says in Matthew chapter 1, uh, verse 20, it says, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, he says to him, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. He did not want to take her as his wife because she was pregnant. He felt that she had been unfaithful to him. And so he was going to put her aside. And that's what was going on in this day. And the angel had to come to him and tell him. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Everybody say that name with me. One, two, three. Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. That's the other thing that was given to us. Not only did we get a child, the Son of the living God, but listen to me, you got a name given to you. Do you understand? The name that was given. When the angel spoke that name, I'll guarantee you that every devil in hell quaked in their boots. When that name, that precious name that had not been known to the prophets of old, to every forecast of Jesus Christ, Going all the way back to the book of Genesis in the fall in the garden where God said, "He, you will bruise his heel, Satan, but he's going to crush your head. Nobody knew the precious name that was going to be given to the Messiah. And when the angel spoke it to Mary that day, let me tell you, hell shook that day when the name of Jesus was spoken, because of who embodied that name. Listen to me. That body that was lying in a manger was the embodiment of God Himself. The second person of the Holy Trinity was laying in that manger. And His name was wonderful. God is our salvation is what the name Yahshua means in the Hebrew. That He is your salvation. The name given above all names by which we must be saved. Oh my goodness, I could preach just on the name of Jesus for six weeks. But the name was given to you as well as the person of Jesus Christ. Man, I could only imagine what it sounded like to hear that name spoken as it was being given to the Son of the Living God. Do you understand what we're celebrating? Have you ever stopped to take a look and listen? And not get involved in this industrialized, commercialized thing that's called Christmas that can distract your attention away from the name of the embodiment of God. Let me tell you something, that's an awesome thing that you have. It is a name given above all names. It's one that's filled with power and authority. If you've been a man or a person under authority, you know what the the word authority means. In my old job I could sign a document and buy a 10 million dollar piece of equipment because my name had authority and recognition behind it that I could do that. Jesus said, "I give you my name." Do you realize that is one of the most important things about Christmas that you will ever have is the name. The baby's name. What's his name? Jesus, every devil in hell quakes at the sound of that name when you speak it in reference to he who embodies it. Listen what he says. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that you would anoint us now, God, to preach your word. God, that you'd give us the words to speak. That it might touch someone's heart and bring them closer to You. That the church would pay attention to what's going on, God, with this celebration. Lord, we know that Your birth brought forth what heaven had predicted from days of old. And we thank You for it, God. The coming to to pass of an ancient prophecy foretold by You first, God. Then of people of God all down through time. And we thank You for its happening. The reality of it, God. And we ask Your blessings in Jesus' name. The one thing that I can tell you in the days of old, that it was prophesied that He would come. For years and years and years and years and years, they waited for the coming of the Messiah. Under harsh occupation, the Jewish people waited for the coming of the Messiah. I'm going to tell you harsh occupation. They were ruled and governed by the Romans. And the people wanted the Messiah to come because they were viewing things in a fleshly way. They wanted the Messiah to come to deliver them from the hands of these cruel Romans who were experts at torture, as I taught the church before. They knew exactly how to exact as much pain out of you and uh, before death would occur and relieve you of it. They were cruel and harsh. When we read the passage where we're told that that, that if someone asked you to go a ways with them a mile, go an extra mile. You know, offer them your cloak as well. Well, that was a reality in the present day. Did you know that? That if you were a Roman and this person was a Jew, well, I could come up to you. And if I was carrying a bunch of stuff down the road, you were obligated by Roman law to take my stuff if I asked you. And if you didn't do it, I could have you executed. So Jesus, when he was talking to the people, he said, do it willfully, gladly, honor your father that is in heaven and say, let me let me take that for you. Here, let me take something else and I'll go an extra mile with you to a cruel and hateful people. He said to do that to my goodness, so much encapsulated in Christmas and in Jesus, who this is all about. Never take your eyes off of him. Don't be distracted and let Satan turn your eyes and your and y- and your 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 attention to the things of the world this day or like the Jews of old you will miss him. They waited for something for so long they couldn't believe it when it happened. Like many Christians who pray for a miracle and when it comes they can't believe it. Praying and believing. They waited and they waited and they waited under the torturous occupation of these Romans. Go back into history just a little ways into the 1930s, 1940s under the reign of Hitler. And you'll see Jewish people under a harsh occupation in Germany. Where they were rounded up and they were numbered and they were sentenced to death in places like Dachau and Auschwitz. Where they were tortured and where they were killed. My uncle was in on one of the liberations of those camps. He said you could smell that camp from miles away. And when they got there, the bodies were stacked up like cordwood for as far as the eye could see. Dead bodies. He said we couldn't even give them food because if you would give them something to eat, that nourishment would kill them instantaneously because of the lack that they had in their body. This was like that. This was like that. Your your life was in peril as a Jewish person every single day that you lived in the area that you lived in. And let me tell you, when we celebrate that manger scene like that, they were instantaneously exiles after that visitation. They had to run because somebody was trying to kill him. Did you know that? Man, don't take your eyes off of Jesus. He's coming. And now here we stand in this latter days. Here we stand in this latter days and we wait for Him too. A second coming. And if you're not careful, your eyes will be like the eyes of the Jewish ancestors and patriarchs of our faith who waited and waited and waited and missed Him completely. The question is, what are you waiting for? They were waiting for a Messiah that would deliver them physically from the occupation of the Romans. But God was sending to them a deliverer that would give them salvation. Something much more important than the physical need of the people. This had eternal implications to it. And they were waiting. Brothers and sisters, make no mistakes about it. They misunderstood the reason for why He was coming. Do you understand what we're doing? Do you understand the importance of the Christmas season? That baby laying in a manger had a destiny, as the brother talked about when he was up here and he was praying. I thought he was going to preach my message for a second. That baby had a destiny when he was born. He was born to die. He was born to die. That's why he was in exile instantaneously, because Satan knew who he was, and he put it in the minds of men. Let me tell you, the devil works through people. Can I get an amen? amen? The devil works through people. He works in people's hearts and minds. Don't let him mess with yours. He had a destiny, and his destiny was to die for you. You may say, "Well, I don't necessarily believe that. Well, that doesn't matter. It's still there. It's still the reason. And He died for you whether you want to accept that or not. He came to die for you and alleviate the sin issue that you had. Listen to this. And the consequence that it brings. That's what that scene meant. That these people so wonderfully played out. It was beautiful. That scene was created to show you that God was dealing with your utmost need. And that is your sin need. To take care of it. To be the propitiation for your sins. To be the answer that the Old Testament couldn't bring. I think I might have told you this. The Old Testament was law. Law brought consequences. That's why the two covenants have to be. It's like if you cut a basketball in half. On the one side of the basketball is the law. On the other side is grace. The law brought only consequences. If you didn't follow the law to the jot and to the tittle, you were dealt with. Now the law teaches us when we've sinned. It didn't take a preacher to tell you, you shouldn't lie, you shouldn't cheat, you shouldn't steal, you shouldn't murder, you shouldn't commit adultery. You shouldn't do all those things that we know better because inherently it's been written upon your heart because you've been made in the image and the likeness of God. You take the most tribal people, the most indigenous people in the land, and they will tell you, you follow their rules. They have the Ten Commandments. To the Shawnee who lived in this land, they believed in not telling a lie. They didn't believe in taking another man's wife. They didn't believe in coveting. They didn't believe in murder. They followed the Ten Commandments. In the book of Romans, it goes on to tell us that a man's conscience becomes what he gets judged by, declaring him innocent or guilty Because of that innate, built-in law that God put in you. Knowing to do good and not doing it. But you had the law. Which was nothing but rules and regulations. But now we have grace. And you put them together. And we see when we sinned because of the law, but now we have the answer for sin, thank God, because of that wonderful birth. Now we don't have to go to the cross. Now we don't have to surrender our lives to the grave. Now we don't have to worry about laying in the ground. As the old song says, I'm not looking for a hole in the ground. I'm looking for one in the sky because of what Jesus done for us. Because of the law and grace, I knew when I did wrong and it drove me to Christ to be forgiven. And it should drive you there too. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. That's what that meant. That's what that is. A driving force to get you saved. The coming of God Himself because man could not do it. Do you understand? We couldn't have done it. If you, if you believe there's something good that you can do to get saved, then you have negated the cross of Jesus Christ. For God would have never sent his only begotten son to be born like that, to be an exile, to be beaten with the cat of nine tails, to be the recipient of the crown of thorns, to have nine inch spikes driven through his hands and through his feet. If there was just something you could do, he would have just said, hey, go do that. But if that's the case, brother, we negate the cross. So what then for the cross? Then we've negated the whole life of Jesus Christ. It's not of good that I have done. There's none good, no, not one. It is Jesus Christ who did it all. The sinless, spotless, perfect Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world. Who went to the cross because He was destined to when He was born in a manger so long ago. Do you realize what that day meant? Do you realize what was done? That was for you, brother. Don't miss it. Again, you have the law which should drive you to know what you have done is wrong. should drive you to Jesus. And you put them two covenants together and thank God you can be forgiven and you can be saved no matter what's going on in your life. And let me tell you, life can be complicated. Life can be complicated. You can say, Brother Jay, You don't understand. I don't need to understand. Because you ain't done nothing that's bigger than that cross. You ain't done nothing that can outweigh the blood of Jesus Christ. It's by the blood of of Jesus that creates the remission of sins. You see, that's what it took. The first Adam failed. And God had to send His Son to do what man couldn't do. He kept the law and never sinned. This is why these despicable things that I see on the internet that portray Jesus as having children or having illicit sexual behavior or sinful things, listen, that cannot be. That would have negated the fact He could not have been the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And if you believe that, then He's not your Savior. Because He couldn't be. He was without sin. He was without blemish. That made Him a perfect sacrifice. For all of yours. And the scripture says, he that knew no sin, that's Jesus, knew no sin, became sin. Your sin, my sin was laid upon him, destined to die, destined to be a sacrifice, destined to be your savior, to give hope to every addict, to give hope to every murderer, to give forgiveness and hope to everyone who had committed adultery. To give hope to everyone who was a thief. To give hope to every person on the planet who had ever did anything wrong. He was born for that reason. Mm. In Psalm 22, 16-18, we have, and I've told you this before, we have a prophetic look through King David who was a prophet. We have a prophetic look of Jesus on the cross through the eyes of David. How can you know that, Pastor Jay? Because in the life of David, He was never pierced in His hands or in His feet. And this is what He said. For dogs have compassed Me. Dogs, the word for dogs is Gentiles. Gentiles were considered dogs by the Jewish people. That's what they thought. For dogs have compassed Me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed Me. Listen, they pierced My hands and My feet. Hmm? What are you saying, David? David is now hearing the voice of God in this psalm. And Jesus is telling him what to write. And David is seeing what Jesus saw when He was upon the cross and He was dying for you. This is what He said. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. Extremely dehydrated. The destined child to die was upon the cross for you and me. Looking at Himself. Bones pulled out of joint to nail Him and fasten Him to the cross. Look at me. Look at me. He knew the whole while what His destiny was. That made it just that much more harder. The thought of what was going to happen to you. Look at me. My bones. They stare at me. And then listen what David says. They part my garments among them and they cast lots upon my vesture. We know that according to the scene of the cross, that is exactly what happened. They pierced His hands and His feet. His bones were were staring at Him. He was looking at Himself upon the cross and they were casting lots for Jesus' clothing. That was King David looking through the eyes of Jesus Christ telling you what the cross would be like. Why is that important for you to know? Because you need to know what it took to save you. No man could do this. No man could stand in the gap between heaven and earth. Only the sinless, spotless, Son of God. He did not come to stay the baby laying in a manger. Let me tell you, he's coming back as the Lion of Judah, of the tribe of Judah, and the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. And he's coming back again. And be ready for his return this time. Don't miss it like they did in the days of old. Brother, he's about to call out, and we're about to be out of here. And are you ready to go? Are you ready to go? You think it's a a fairy tale, a story of old, brother. So did some of them, but it didn't stop it from happening. What do you think? Are you ready? He wasn't here. He didn't come to make this your best day now, as some preachers will preach on TV. Tell that to Jesus. He was the son of the living God. This wasn't his best day now. It wasn't his day of prosperity. I'll tell you what now, I can't stand them prosperity preachers. I'm just going to tell you where Brother Jake comes from. Because I'm not blessed that Scripture says a man is not blessed in the accordance of the amount of things that he possesses. You're blessed because you've got a king in your heart that died for you. And you got a ticket to heaven because of what Jesus done for you. Brother, tell that to the to the to the rich young fool, or tell that to the to the rich man that died and went to hell, and tell that to Lazarus, who was just a beggar. This wasn't his best day now. Tell that to the thief on the cross. Tell that to the disciples, who every one of them, if you've never read the book of, of the Fox's book of Christian martyrs, you should read that. That tells you how they died in martyrdom. I had to write a thesis on that book. You wouldn't believe the things they went through. The only one that didn't die of persecution was John. But the old old ones, the, the chronicled in the days, the historians chronicled John's life and said that he was put into a cauldron of boiling oil in which he survived. And when they found that they could not kill him, they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos where he wrote the book of Revelations and Jesus talked to him from that lone place. This isn't your best day now. Brother, if this is your best day now, man, you got it all wrong. It's our best day then. My eyes are fixed on the cross of Jesus Christ, the risen Savior. I'm believing and waiting on the return of Jesus Christ. The call that will come on high as we're told in the Scripture. The Bible says in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, He's going to descend from heaven with the shout of the archangel. And in that moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the dead in Christ are going to be raised and those of us that are alive are going to be caught up in the air after them forever to be with the Lord. Are you ready? You think that's just a fairy tale, do you? You think that's the figment of somebody's imagination. Some man of antiquity that wrote these things down. So did they. And yet He came. And they did not know Him. Yet He came, and they did not know Him. Listen, in Matthew, we're given a name. And I'll bring this to a close. What a gift that was given to the church. What a gift that was given to you. Not only the baby, but the name. The name is given to the baby who was wrapped in man's flesh Why did Jesus have to come in the form of flesh? Because God can't die any other way. He had to put on your flesh and my flesh. He had to go through everything that this flesh brings and overcome it to be your Savior. So every single stinking thing you go through, He went through it. He felt the pain of cancer, He felt the pain of sickness. He felt the pain that we get in this body through, through torment and torture. He felt the pain of abandonment. He felt the pain uh, that you go through. He felt everything that humans go through in their life. The Bible says that we serve that, we serve a high priest that is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. He had to do what no man could do, so God wrapped him in flesh. So that he could overcome the flesh. Making Him a perfect Savior for you and for me. That's Christianity. That is Theology 101. That's why He did it. So that now, He won the victory. Now all you have to do is believe in Him. And God takes the victory that Jesus won and imputes it to you. Only because you believe not because of your good works. You could live a hundred lifetimes the life of Mayor Mother Mary, Mother Teresa. And you could give all your, all your goods to the poor. That's not good enough. In a hundred lifetimes of doing it. Because without faith in Christ, you're not going. Without the born again experience, I'm not going. It takes faith. God takes everything that Jesus accomplished all the way to the cross. And just because you will believe in Him, God takes all that victory that Jesus did and He gives it to you. That, brother, that's the gift. That's the gift. Salvation. You shall call His name Jesus, which means God is my salvation. Let me tell you something. In Matthew, we're told. In 1820, he says, where, what does the name bring? I just pinned down a few. In Matthew 18 and 20, where two or more gather together. In my name. In my name. I am there and in the midst. In Mark 16 and 17. All these signs shall follow them that believe. Listen. In my name, you shall cast out devils. You shall speak with new tongues. In John 14, 13 and 14, and whatsoever you shall ask, that I will do, that my Father may be glorified in His Son. If you ask anything, that will I do. John 14.26 says, But the Comforter who is the Holy Ghost, who the Father will send, He shall teach you all things, He says, and will bring to remembrance whatsoever things I have said to you in His name. Do you understand how powerful that was when the angel told Mary the name? Do you know what that meant? In His name, when we gather, He is here. In His name, what you ask for, He will do. In His name, church. Whew. The wonderful name. I want to tell you something. The only, only thing I ever hear, and I've said this to my other church, when you hear people cursing out there in the world, they always use the name of God. Or they use Jesus' name. They never say, ah, Buddha. Ah, Muhammad. Why? Because Satan loves to blaspheme the only name given among men by which we must be saved. And when you hear his name used in profanity, remember, that came straight from hell. Because in that name, in that name, when you speak that name, Jesus says, when he cursed the fig tree, he looked at the disciples and said, When you ask something to my name, you say to this mountain, be thou removed into the sea. Now I don't recommend you go over here to one of these mountains and try to cast something in the cave run lake. But there are great mountains in life. And God can remove those mountains in Jesus' name. His name. Acts 4, 10 and 12. The disciples was walking around and they were giving an account of what was going on in those early days. He says, Be it known to you all and all the people of Israel. And they were talking about the man that was healed at the gate called Beautiful. He had laid there since his mother's womb. He was crippled since his mother's womb and he had laid there for years. And man, one day, the apostles was walking by him and he was asking alms and they bent down and Peter said, listen to me. Listen to me. Silver and gold, I have none. But by the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And when Peter was given an account of this, he says, be it known unto you all the people of Israel that... By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by Him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. How about you? What's Christmas to you? I challenge you. I challenge you to get more involved in celebrating what was done. A life was given. A baby was born. A name was given. You have access and authority given to you by God in heaven to use a name that brings with it all the authority and power of heaven in your life. Stand with me.